should have probably asked this when we were recording, but we could have turned that to Kenny. Kenny, are you afraid that Ryan is becoming <laughs> bigger than the brand himself? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that should have been our He's going to leave me for a solo career. <laughs> yeah. If we were in sync, he's Timberlake. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, I was going to say, there's no That's sophomore right. album coming out. It's just Ryan's coming out with a solo album. That's, yeah. that's all it is. <laughs> This is Bourbon Pursuit, the official podcast of bourbon, bringing to you the best in news, reviews, and interviews with people making the bourbon whiskey industry happen, and I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Coleman. Now, I know you've missed it, but the roundtable is back for another big show, talking about some spicy topics, so here we go. The big news was that Jackie Zykam was leaving Old Forester, and it made waves in the bourbon world. We had to ask, is she replaceable as an asset to Brown Foreman? And now, what happens with the 117 series? Kings County and the Irish Whiskey Association are in a battle over the use of the word Irish style on the label. So who should give an inch here? And would we be up in arms if someone outside the U.S. used bourbon style on their label? And there's always more sticker talk, but this time we go over the use of copyright and trademarks on different distilleries' bottles. So make sure you're following us on all the socials or support us over at Patreon.com because that's when we announce all the new Bourbon Community Roundtable episodes that are happening and you can join us live in the chat. But for now, enjoy the roundtable, and here's Fred Minnick with Above the Char. I'm Fred Minnick, and this is Above the Char. Uh, this week's idea comes from the alias, the Labdon. Labdon? Labdon? L-A-V-E-D-O-N. Uh, anyway, so basically there's a long, long email here with some very nice things they said. Talking about my appearance on the Today Show, uh, listening to the Burn Pursuit, being a big fan. I appreciate all that. But the brass tacks of what the, the question was, was like, how do they find the COLA registries on the TTB uh, website? And so a little background here for that. The federal government, in order for you to like create an alcohol brand, the federal government uh, requires your application. You know, so there's, you know, alcohol is a highly regulated product, and there's certain things you can't say on a label, and you have to have the proofs on there. And so last year in 2021, there were more than 177,000 labels submitted to the TTB for approval. Every single one of those are available to view. It is a public record. And so you can go on to the website of the TTB and see it moments after they approve it. Now, the brands don't necessarily like this because it's outside of their marketing procedures. Like they don't like the public to know about a brand until they're ready to put a press release out. So this this is done by the legal committee of people's brands. And this often happens months in advance of a whiskey coming out. So uh, I will give you kind of like a real, you can't just go to the TTB website and find it. So what I recommend people do is just Google Cola Registry TTB, and you'll see a website that comes up. It says public cola registry ttb.gov. Okay, real easy stuff there. And then you'll see search the public cola. And so you go to uh, search the public cola, and it has the, uh, on the left-hand side, it says from and then to. And this looks like, this is an archaic-looking website. It it looks like it's something out of the 1990s, like you would find in GeoCities or something like that. Uh, on the left-hand side, you'll see date completed, and this is what gets a lot of people when they go for the search. They have an idea of when it, it might have been completed. Let's face it, you know, you don't really know. Sometimes people will have submitted these like years ago and now they're just coming out. So I always recommend that people like go to say, like do the date of like say 2000, let's do 2010 to 2022. And the product name, uh, this is where this gets, uh, this also gets a lot of people in the search. People uh, will often do not know the actual name of the company uh, that submit these and it can it can get them that way. So I'm just going to look at a bottle right here that's on my desk, Fort Hamilton, which is a small distillery in New York. 
Port Hamilton. I'm going to search that in on the product name. There's a there's a portion here. It says brand name or fanciful name. I'm just doing either. So let's see if Fort Hamilton shows up. Do, 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 do. And there we go. We have 11 total searches here or 11 total um, products that have been approved, including one that was just recently approved in uh, uh, a couple weeks ago. So when you you'll get a list here, it'll be like a it'll be like an Excel sheet. You know, you can click on that and you can see the actual product that was approved. However, you cannot see the label. You'll you'll just kind of get this like government um, registration approval looking thing uh, and what the qualifications were, but you cannot see the actual label until in the upper right hand corner you click the printable version, and so that's how that's how you can uh, search through the TTB website to find products that aren't uh, out yet. I hope that helps. I hope that helps you in your endeavors. Uh, but you, when you are searching for things on the federal government website, you have officially crossed over into the uh, bourbon geekdom. So keep on at it. I love it. I love it. But that's going to do it for this week's Above the Char. If you want to be like the, the Labden, I, you know what? I'm screwing this name all up. So I apologize for that. But if you want to be like them, hit me up on fredminnick.com. That's fredminnick.com. Hit the contact button. Give me your idea. If I like it, I'll read it on the air. Till next week. Cheers. Do you ever pour yourself a bourbon, swirl it around, and then start struggling to come up with tasting notes? And perhaps you're also looking for a good Father's Day gift idea. Well, you can now solve both with a kit from Nose Your Bourbon. And unlike other nosing kits on the market, Nose Your Bourbon kits feature real ingredients for the most authentic aromas. You can smell real Tahitian vanilla bean instead of some synthetic aroma that's just made from chemicals. So head on over to noseyourbourbon.com and enter code BP10 for 10% off your order. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 a cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. And they're off for another Gift 270 2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable Gaming License ORG 0002703. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or thebourbonconcierge.com and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. Welcome, everybody. It is Bourbon Community Roundtable number 69 coming at you. This is, gosh, I think two months now. We had to take, a, had to take some time off. But we're finally back at it. Got to see a few of these guys at Pursuit Palooza not too long ago. But fellas, I'm glad that we're here once again to be able to talk about some some fresh news that's been happening in the bourbon world. I think we're going to really start start hitting on a few different things here. But uh, you know, real quick, let's go ahead and just do a quick round of introductions, and I'll start with my top right over here, Brian from Sipping Corn. Yeah, thanks for having me again. I'm, I love these topics we've got. Maybe the uh, during that time off, we got a couple of uh, big hitting topics coming through. So excited for it. Um, and uh, everybody find me at Sipping Corn Bourbon Justice. You know that drill. For sure. And then Blake down here with the fresh camera. 
Yeah. So I'm Blake from uh, Sealbox and Bourboner. So keep it short. Glad to be on. (laughs) (laughs) And I will say, I want to applaud Blake for the effort. We talked about it earlier. He, he tried his damnness to be able to bring all the equipment. He brought microphone, he brought stands, he brought all this kind of stuff with him on the road (laughs) until he realized that he forgot his laptop charger and... Let's clarify. I did not forget <laughs> a laptop charger. I brought a laptop charger. The laptop charger decided not to charge. Who knew those things can go bad? And so after, you know, three Walgreens visits, two CVS visits, Best Buy was too far out. Yeah, so. I was about to say, who's laptop chargers at Walgreens? Okay. <laughs> so, somebody Google the closest Best Buy in DC and we will. <laughs> it's all right. We appreciate um, the effort though. We'll get you, we'll get you next time. I'm here, you know, the, the audio is okay for Kenny's, you know, uh, high standards. I think it's, it's decent. It's serviceable. So that's all I need. That's that's it. <laughs> I like D Jones in this chat. It goes CVS question mark. Yeah, the, everybody's everybody's saying the same exact thing. She was supposed to. D was supposed to drive me to Best Buy, so I blame her. So. <laughs> there you go. That's how you. That's how you push blame. That's what great managers yeah. do, right? <laughs> <laughs> and Jordan. Hey guys, so this is Jordan, uh, BreakingBourbon.com, one of the three guys who runs the site. You can find us on all the socials at Breaking Bourbon. And Blake, it makes total sense now why your Wi-Fi never works. So next time, don't go to Walgreens and ask, why is my Wi-Fi not working? Go to like, you know, maybe a tech shop or something and it, it should get itself sorted out. <laughs> oh, I love it. Everybody's got a riff on Blake every once in a while. It's just it's just part of the ongoing, you know, community that we're building here. It's just part of the, go- the joke here. Those computer repair shops, they don't exist anymore. So I just go to tech support at Best Buy and it's the Geek, geek Squad. They have not been able to... Uh... <laughs> Can just go ask like the 10 year old down the street. You'll be good. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think we're also at that stage. I mean, like who goes and gets a TV repaired anymore? It's cheaper to just go buy a new one. I think we're at the same stage with laptops. I remember I used to do a lot of desktop laptop support and people would come and it would cost them two, three, four hundred dollars. Sometimes by the time they're done with it, you can get laptops for that cheap. You know, unless you're buying brand new state of the art Macs or something like that. But and it's disposable equipment nowadays. All of it, every bit of it. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's go ahead and get into it. we got a lot of great topics here. And so the first one, it really kind of shook the news of the bourbon world uh, last week. And I think people are still kind of digesting what's happened. But after seven years of playing a key leadership role in the renaissance of Old Forester, master taster Jackie Zykin, she announced that she will be stepping away to pursue other career opportunities. And so her last day with Old Forster and Brown Foreman will be this week on July 1st. So during her tenure, Jackie helped return Old Forester to the prominence of the spirits industry and among consumers, and she helped lead the brand's innovation and premiumization strategy, culminating also as the first woman in Old Forester history to have her name on the bottle as a part of the 117 Distillery Series that debuted in 2021. So let's unpack this. There's a lot of questions to kind of look at this. now. I could. I think we all agree that the brand's going to be fine. There's no problem. Old Forrester will continue. Ryan kind of said it on This Week in Bourbon that there were Old Forrester junkies that were there before Jackie was even there. So the brand will be fine. Now, when we start looking at this, I think the key headline that I really wanted to put up there is, is Jackie replaceable? What, what, what do you all think? Boy, that's a loaded question there, Kenny. I, you know what? So, I was going to say, I'm going to let Jordan so, go first on this one. <laughs> so from, we, all, uh, we all paused, right? Everybody's like, who's going to piss off Jackie first? <laughs> exactly. Well, well I'll, I'll take the first first bullet. So I think, uh, you know, Jackie's amazing, right? She does she does amazing work. She is so personal. When you see her speak in person, when you see her interact with, with fans of bourbon, and she's very honest and real. And I think that's what really captivated a lot of folks and elevated her to to the top of the bourbon game. Um, is Jackie herself replaceable? Yes. Will there be another Jackie? No. I think it's two very different things. They have to separate, right? There will be another person in her place, and they'll hopefully carve their own path and try and make their own name. And they two will be replaced, and so on and so on. It's just the nature of the beast. It's the nature of life. Um, you know. But what Jackie did for Old Forester was absolutely amazing. Um, not only was she able to elevate the Old Forester brand, but you know, I think she brought a lot of attention to bourbon, 
um, to women, right? I, I, you know, I'll, I'll use my own wife as an example. She is a huge Jackie fan. And, and what Jackie's done and when she came out with her 117 series, you know, she was thrilled to see that. And I think she did really well um, to elevate bourbon beyond just being a a drink and a spirit that that just guys drink, right? And I think for for that, the community owes her a great deal of debt. And she wasn't the first one to do that. There was others, but she really had the platform too, and she took advantage of that, which was nice to see. Um, I do think she'll be replaced by somebody else. You know, I, I, I'm not sure um, who or, or when, and, and if they'll have that big of an impact. But they'll carve their own path and they'll make their own statement. Um, but there's only been one Jackie, so. You know, I do wish her luck. Yeah, I'm. You know, I kind of want to give like a differing opinion of uh, of Jordan's, but I think it's a really interesting thing where Jackie. I mean, who was who was really excited about Old Forster? You know, call it four or five years ago before she was producing some of these kind of limited limited releases and that kind of stuff. So it, it it's tough to say because I think what she did for the brand, even though it is a massive, huge, uh, you know, distillery and brand and everything else with the Forrester and what Brown Foreman does. But, you know, she, she really brought it to the attention of the whiskey enthusiast and the, you know, what I kind of call whiskey nerds. And so I think there is a lot of value that comes to that. And so will there be somebody else that comes in her place? I'm sure, you know, Brown Foreman has somebody else that they would like to kind of promote in that kind of angle, but Jackie did an incredible job. So it's, it, it's pretty tough to say like, oh yeah, somebody's going to come in and replace her. Cause I don't think that's always the case, but at the same time, if you're Brown Foreman and you're Matt, you, you know, this massive international conglomerate, you can find somebody else who will appeal to the whiskey nerds, but you know, what she did is really important kind of to what we all talk about and do. And, you know, we're talking about it on this podcast for a reason. So, yeah, I think it's, I hate to say it, but I think it's a big loss for them. Um, but I'm excited for her, you know, I always think people should bet on themselves and seems like that's kind of the route she's going. So I'm excited to see what's next there. But yeah, there, there's definitely going to be a void at Brown Foreman from kind of the whiskey enthusiast mindset of looking at it so yeah con total congrats to her i'm with you guys on that and i mean before her when you lived in louisville a lot of people referred to old foe as louisville's house burden uh bourbon that mm -hmm. was what we had on our own rail or i mean that was that was our house bourbon and she was a huge part of expanding it beyond that so kudos to her for that um i think i mean we're all going to be I think saying more or less the same thing. I was wishing Fred was going to be here though, because mm -hmm. I know Fred was taking an, an angle, you know, more along the lines of, you know, who's, you know, who, who, who gets to benefit from being on that mantelpiece? Um, you know, is it, is it the person or is it the company? And I, I was looking forward to that argument um, because I think we're all going to agree that she did great at what she did and she's probably going to excel at whatever she does next and old foe will continue and it'll continue. I think it's trajectory on the premium side with its premium offerings and it's going to be on rails everywhere too. So it's, you know, sometimes pruning is good. Um, and I suspect this will be one of those things. Yeah. I also want to so, add in, Oh, go ahead. Blake. I, go ahead. I, well, I was going to say, so, so Kenny can kind of take that perspective. Do you think, the, do you think the the brand, you know, kind of the, the the machine of Old Forster, kind of outweighs what she has? And I don't want to say outweighs, but like, do you think the machine keeps moving forward, no matter if there is that person? And and I know we're kind of using Jackie as an example here, but we we all love what she's done. But do you think the brand keeps moving forward, and they're going to have releases, and they've kind of you, you know worked off of that goodwill or? Do they see a hit? I don't think they're going to see a hit. And that's because this is this is a massive brand. This is a major brand. And you can't look at it as, and by the way, as what everybody's already said is that congrats to Jackie. This is an amazing opportunity that she's probably going to go forward and, and everything like that. She did a lot for diversity. She did a lot. Uh, I mean, I, just the fact that she got to where she was of just being a bartender and somehow Brown Foreman picked her out and kind of you know threw up through the ranks rather than somebody that had just been inside of the the you know the that kind of just the corporate mindset and kind of went to there so she really 
got uh, some some really good opportunities that, that got out there. Now, the one thing to understand is that Jackie's still just one person. So when there's a nationwide release, it's not Jackie that's front and center of it. I mean, sure, she might talk about Old Forester Birthday Bourbon for a little bit. She might talk about 117, might talk about some of these other small releases. But for the majority of it, you understand is that when even any brand ambassador, any whiskey ambassador, who pays attention to them? It's us. It's the whiskey geeks. It's not the other 98% of people that are out there that probably have no idea who Jackie is. There's so many people that are going through the Louisville airport every single day and have no idea that the girl sitting there twisting that orange on the old fashioned as you're going through the that walkway is Jackie that's right there. And she's like she's in front of millions of people every single day, but nobody knows. So I think that she is old forester is not going to be able it's not going to stop anything. It's not a it's not a roadblock in their tracks or anything like that. I feel that they will have to spend quite some time figuring out what is that replacement or even a better question is, is the replacement because there was no master taster at old Forrester before really Jackie was there. I think that was something that they had kind of given her. And that also makes me think of when you start getting into a role that she was in, like, where do you go next? Like you want to, you don't want your career to be stagnant. And that's always been the thing when I think about master distillers is you're a master distiller, then what? Like, where do you where do you go from there? So did she get so high that it's like, okay, well, what's next? Do I go and I try to create an army of Jackies and I turn into this sort of like management role and I don't get to be in front of people? And it's it's hard to figure out what that is. So she's taken a step in the in a different direction. And we'll find out here in a very short amount of time about what that next step is going to be. I don't feel that Old Forester is going to skip a beat by any means, just because of of how big the machine is here. But I'll I want to pass it over to you. All kind of what you think too. Yeah, no, I I think I agree with you. But the part that I think that we don't kind of are, are talking about here is just you you know who Jackie talks to, and that's the retailers, that's the distributors, that's the all the other people who then get excited about it because she came and talked to them. You know, obviously, there's hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of old Forester consumers and people that love their product. But who are they buying from? And that's probably the people that Jackie talks to. So that's where I think it could be interesting to see how they fill that void, because there is it's it's it, you're going to have a lot of retailers and bars and everything else that are used to having her show up, you know, maybe it's once a quarter, maybe it's once a year and, and talk about the product. So if that will affect sales, I don't know that it will. Um, you know, I think that machine is so big, kind of like we said, but I, I still think there will be some effect there and some, a, a, a little bit of blowback of, well, we really like what Jackie was doing, but what are you going to try to do now? So it'll be interesting for sure. I think, um, I think it's two things, right? So coming out of this, I think Jackie has proven and Old Forester has proven that having a master taster is probably good for your brand. Maybe not continuously, but if other brands, and, and they should have been doing this whole time, aren't trying to seek out their own personality like Jackie was, they really should be to help elevate themselves. Because truly, that that's what you need. And the second thing that keeps going through my head throughout this whole conversation is Brown Foreman in general. So, you know, they lost uh, Marianne, they lost Jackie. How afraid are they that Elizabeth McCall is now going to leave, who's the assistant master distiller at Woodford? And right now, that has to be top of mind for all of them, because that is really the the next face also that they replaced after Marianne to try and put there. And their track record is basically, right, and, and good or bad, bad if you're Brown Foreman, good for the rest, right? But they're becoming this incubation center where they can really grow, and you can grow your career if you're a strong female in the whiskey world. And that's what Brown Foreman's really starting to become known for, I'd say, um, which is a great thing not a great thing if you're Brown Foreman, but it's a great thing for everybody else. So, you know, that's what's going through my head right now is what are they planning to do to, to either keep Elizabeth and continue to elevate her profile or do they now shelve her to the back? Um, and hopefully they don't shelve her to the back. Well, she, she's a rock star. I mean, yeah. I, I have to think Elizabeth, um, I have to think that they're going to redouble their efforts uh, with her. And she's, I mean, by all accounts, everything is great, but you know, you never know until you hear an announcement like Jackie's obviously, but 
um, that they I think you're right. They've done a great job in promoting diversity. And I think they'll continue to do that. They're going to have a new face. They've got an army of people that can step right in. Um, like someone said in, in the chats earlier, you know, an individual you know, individually is not replaceable, but there's plenty of replacements and, and they'll be able to do that. And uh, Elizabeth, I mean, I'm going to wish the best to her too. And I, I think there's just nothing but great things ahead of for her and Brown Foreman. Yeah, I think there's, there was one question that I had sort of queued up on it and it kind of tails into this a little bit is that, you know, when you have a very high profile person and you figure out what links are you going to go to keep that person? Because I would imagine the, the raise conversation came up over and over and over again, as she was saying, no, I'm, I'm putting in my two weeks. All right, we'll, we'll give you another $20,000. I, I really don't do this. All right, we'll give you another 20,000. Like how far do you go until you go, you know what, maybe this isn't going to work because she was a really good face for the brand, but from a company standpoint, do you think they did everything they could, they could to, to try to keep her? I think that goes back to a conversation that we had a long time ago of like, you know, about pay, unfortunately, where you, we look at the master distiller or the, in the head salesman of what's more important. Should you pay the production team way more than you pay the sales team and vice versa. So I think that goes back to that same argument of like how far down that road were they willing to go to say like, Hey, this is what we'll pay to keep you here at the sales same time. Then I'm sure you've got the production team who's like, Hey, we're blending all this. We're doing everything else. You don't have a great product if it's not for us. So that's kind of that weird Thank goodness we're not in that uh, world of trying to define what's more important. But, um, you know, that's that's kind of where we are today. You know, and also the everything you said, Blake, so true. But from Jackie's standpoint, sometimes, you know, you can throw all the money you want at something. But if she has a burning desire to forge your own path, that money's not going to quench that thirst, right? You have to go out and you have to whatever her next step is, you know, I'm sure it's, it's huge. Um, cause I'm sure they did dangle a big bag of money in front of her, but, but sometimes money won't solve that for someone. If you have that burning desire to do your own thing, no amount of money can stop you. Very true. Very well said. I guess the, the last kind of question to hit on with this is, this is the 117 series because having her name on the label, uh, I'm going to guess that the 117 series will continue to be a 117 series. However, I don't think her name's going to be on the label much longer. So, this was a, an interesting thing for Brown Foreman to go and and kind of adorn this, kind of put this feather in her cap, if you will, to say, "Hey, like we have something on here." Uh, <laughs> hindsight's twenty twenty. Like, kind of thoughts about what you think that that the brand's going to do for the one seventeen series here. I, I bet they start having a rotating name on it. I mean, that that's what I would do. Um, they they may have learned a lesson of you know not to put all of those eggs in that basket and they can actually use it now to, if, if they want to pr promote women in the industry um, or particularly women at Brown Foreman, it's a, it's a rotating signature on it. I think that'd be a great idea for them. Yeah. I, I mean, it's hard to feel bad for Brown Foreman. I like what they're doing. They're going to be fine. You know, it's a, it's a huge company. So, from from like you know the 117 series side it's it's just like brian said they could put another name on it it was a pretty small distribution anyway so yeah, it wasn't it wasn't something that's just, like a staple across the united states i'm assuming they thought that that would be something that jackie was like really bought into and it's like no this is just a very small feature in the it, you, know, you know kind of what we're doing so maybe i'm not all into that but i don't know i like I still think there's plenty of opportunities for them to highlight other people in the industry, other people in the the company and, you know, blending wise and everything else. So to me, that's just kind of like, Hey, we can figure it out after the fact. And um, while we did lose this person, we could highlight somebody else. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I feel like they, they will figure that out on their end. Yeah, these are super limited releases to begin with. Each one's a, a moment in time and a time capsule. So 
you know, the the fourth part of the 117 series, they can do whatever they want. It's going to be a new expression completely from the last three anyways. Whether or not, you know, there's a different signature on it or no signature on it at all, I don't think people will really care. I don't think they'll notice, honestly, truth be told. So I think it'll go on just fine. And I think they'll keep 117. I don't think you'll see that disappear. I think it's been a success for them. Yeah. I also feel that 117 was probably the opportunity for Jackie to kind of showcase her skills as a master mm-hmm. taster. Because when you think of just uh, old Forester 86, I don't think there's much master tasting going on for that. I don't think there's much master tasting going on for any of the you know, the Whiskey Row series or anything like that. This was an opportunity for her to put her stamp on something and really go and taste a bunch of barrels and create something that she really want to put her best foot forward with, too. Let's start an online petition to get Cecil's name on it. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. That'd be the greatest yeah. surprise when he comes yeah. back from vacation, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's worth thinking. I'm like, it, it is, it, it's a huge honor to be on there. But at the same time, like, if you're not invested, if you're not all a part of it, like, I don't know if that is the, the greatest thing either to have the name on there. But, you know, kind of Jordan's point of, they could sell out. I mean, you, you know, I think we all have seen the Instagram pictures of the lines that are out in front of the old Forster distillery when it's announced. So th- that's where kind of the machine portion part comes in. We're like, yes, they'll sell out of that. But, you know, there's other things at play. I just want to say there's some good stuff in the chat here with Alan saying, well, maybe she's just coming to start work with Ryan now back in the blending lab at Pursuit and uh, D. Jonesy says, we'll call the next release called the Cecil 117.2 proof. We'll see if that day ever comes. But I think everybody should probably just stay tuned. You'll hear more. I mean, soon as the soon as the press releases will go out, you'll know exactly what was or what Jackie will be doing. I was looking at her Instagram stories earlier. It was kind of vague, but she was there was a bottle fill line. Don't know. Don't be able to say anything, but there was a bottle fill line with whiskey going in the bottle and just had some text over top of it. So take that for what it is, but best of luck to Jackie. We'll be able to hopefully have her on the podcast here relatively soon and dive into more about what her new future is going to entail. So, oh, I also want to say that anybody out there that's, that's listening, there's been some other things in the chat where people are trying to compare Marion Eves to Jackie. And it's really not a fair comparison because Marianne was much more on the distillation side. Jackie was on the finished product side. So it's really hard to kind of compare the two and say, oh, one did better than the other, anything like that. It's it's apples and oranges. So if any other listener land and thinking of like, why did they talk about it? No, that would be why. So let's go on. Let's let's talk about this is this is where we need some bourbon justice coming in here. And I can't wait to dive into this one. So as producers across the world continue to expand the definition of world whiskeys. One distillery has caused an international stir by labeling its American-made whiskey as Irish style. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon. The farmers who grow the grain the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus Magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S dot com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point of sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com bourbon, all lowercase. And go to shopify.com bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. 
shopify.com slash bourbon. So let's go on. Let's let's talk about this is this is where we need some bourbon justice coming in here. And I can't wait to dive into this one. So as producers across the world continue to expand the definition of world whiskeys, one distillery has caused an international stir by labeling its American-made whiskey as Irish style. So Brooklyn-based Kings County Distillery has been served a seasoned assist letter by the Irish Whiskey Association for labeling one of its products as an Irish-style American whiskey. To legally obtain the Irish whiskey label, a spirit must be created in Ireland and barrel-aged for four years, while Kings County Distillery's product was only barrel-aged for one year. The IWA insists that the use of Irish style could mislead consumers on the origin and the production method, but Kings County maintains that the product labeling was clear enough to avoid confusion. Kings County notes that the label was approved twice by the TTB, and a June 14th thread on the distillery's Twitter account in response to the season desist letter states that the Brooklyn whiskey creator will not seize its distribution of the spirit, and so now they are in kind of like a heated online battle right now. So I guess the first thing to kind of talk about this is that, you know, what are, it, let's, let's, I guess let's kind of dive in a little bit probably to the, the obvious one is Irish whiskey versus Irish style. Do you think that it is far enough apart to be discerning that there is no clear confusion? So as the resident, um, you know, <laughs> legal expert for, <laughs> I'm just kidding, Brian, go ahead. This is yeah. your topic. Brian's, no. Brian's like, I've been waiting for this one. Ah, I've been waiting. No, no, happy to, happy to go in whatever order, but they're so clear. Like they said in, in their response letter, it says everywhere on there that it's made in Brooklyn and it's talking about the grain and it's, there's not going to be any confusion to anyone in the world as to what the source of this is. But um, about, I don't know, an hour before we started, I don't know if you guys, if anyone saw it, I, I sent back out that old Crown Royal bourbon mash. And that was clear too, that it was a Canadian whiskey, but it used the word bourbon. So it's kind of a similar issue. So, so with that one, when was that? 2018 or something like that? 2018. Um, everybody was in a, up in arms that they had the audacity to even use the word bourbon and it was modified with bourbon mash um, because it was Canadian whiskey. And it was just that it was made with, with a mash that would have qualified as bourbon if it was made here. So here it's, I, I, there can't be any confusion. I don't think that it, where it was made is made in Brooklyn, obviously made in Brooklyn, but can you use that one little word, um, as Kenny says with, with style next to it, you're not saying it's Irish whiskey. You're not saying that's where it's from, but can you say that word? And we all got up in arms with crown Royal about that. Um, and I'm totally rooting for Kings County here. I mean, absolutely hundred percent. There's, there's no confusion. It's just going to be an issue of, can you use that word? And that's going to come down to international treaties. So when when there's an American whiskey that is in a Scotch style, so it's it's made um, from malted barley, um, you, you can't call it Scotch here, obviously. And there's even some limitations on using the word lock because that's so um, so associated with Scotland and in Scotch. So. I don't, I don't know. My, I don't think there's any confusion. I think Kings County wins this hands down. Um, but I'm interested in what everyone, what you all think. I mean, is there any ounce of confusion here by use of that word? So I, I, you know, I don't think there's confusion and I love what Colin's doing because I feel like he, he is taking up the fight and I feel like it only pushes their brand even further. And I love what Kings County's doing overall. So I feel like it's a win on that standpoint. But Brian, my question to you is who is the fight with? I mean, can you know Kings County, a US based distillery, fight a trade organization in Ireland? Is that an actual fight that can be had? Yeah, that's that's a great question. I don't know how the trade organization gets any sort of injunction. I mean, I, they would have to sue Kings County in New York. And they would have to rely on protections under our international treaties. And that that's a freaking mess. Um, and I, I can't see it going down that road. I mean, it's going to 
there will be backroom negotiations about how these treaties are are worded, but I don't see this one moving really into any into any court and any injunctions being entered. Well, and so from that aspect, I feel like that's a that's a huge win because what King mm-hmm. Kings County is making is incredible whiskey. So if it perks the interest of the Irish or you know Irish style whiskey drinkers in America. I think that's a win. So, yeah, I mean, I really do like what they're doing, and I'm glad that the you know Irish Whiskey Association is coming out against it because, you know, kind of the old adage of no uh, or all press is good press. So um, that's where I think it it could help them, and maybe a few more people will, will pick up a bottle and be like, oh wow, this is actually really good. So yeah, that that's kind of where I'm like on the fence of like, well, how dare they, you know, the Irish whiskey society come out and say that this is a, you know, but I think it could all work kind of together and overall push the American craft distilling side um, even higher in the minds of a lot of people. I I think it'll do all that, but our, the, the downside is going to be this crown Royal issue. I mean, (laughs) so we're going to now have, instead of the, how do you say, is it Nikkei coffee grain? It, um, Nika. So they do, yeah, Nika. yeah Nika. Nika. So they do the coffee grain whiskey, which would qualify as bourbon if it was made here. It's made with a bourbon mash bill. So now, are are is this Japanese whiskey going to start saying bourbon style? Can you can you get away with using a word that the countries have agreed not to to use if you put style after it? So I think the the place that Kings County will end up getting pressure from is from our own government because they're the ones having to negotiate these treaties and making sure everybody behaves here stateside. Uh, the fact that TTB approved it, uh, nice, but that's not going to, that, that's not really going to carry any weight. TTB makes so many mistakes and the, the makers mark handmade cases. That's one of, was one of makers marks defenses in those cases. Make, makers mark won those cases, but not because they had TTB approval to use the word handmade. So I think that's where Kings County is going to run into some issues is, is wanting to protect the word bourbon and from being used in any way, shape or form by any other country. Brian, tell me from a legal aspect, like I only want preferential treatment when it works in my favor. That's right, but not when it works <laughs> against me. Is that is that allowed legally? <laughs> That's yeah. It's they, they cite uh, the Goose v. Gander case when uh, when you argue for that. Jordan, I'll let you go. No, yeah, you, you I think you were, you're spot on about the TTB just letting stuff slide through all the time, Brian. So that's a. Uh... That's not a defense you want to rest your case on. But also, you know, I'm looking back at the Crown Royal Bourbon Mash and the picks we have up on our site. And, you know, at least the early bottles where they were still calling it Crown Royal Bourbon Mash, right across the bottom, big sticker. They ended up having to put on every single bottle. This is not bourbon whiskey. You know what? It's kind of hysterical that they have that. And I think people actually went out and probably bought more of that because they had to put that sticker on there. And people are like, well, what is this then? I think it would actually, you know, do Kings County justice to do something similar like that make it a little goofy, put it on their bottle, make people stop and be, I mean, their bottles are, I love Kings County, but their bottles are pretty plain. You easy to pass over. Right. So give it a little flair, make people stop and go, what, what the hell is this? What's going on? All right, I'll pick it up. I'll see what it's all about. They're not going to change what's inside. They don't even change the name, but very clearly say this is not an Irish whiskey. It's just Irish style. And, and that clearly passed muster with crown Royal. They could do the same thing. You know, I think trying to continue to fight this might not be in his, uh, might not be advantageous for Kings County, but I think they could probably make a lot of good publicity out of this just by doing something a little bit silly. Um, and they probably think it's stupid, but it'll probably help sell a lot of their whiskey. Um, and precedent's been set there. Yeah. And I kind of want to follow in here a little bit too. Brian, I, I totally see your point that they have a, a leg to stand on. I am going to kind of stick to my guns of what I said back in this week in bourbon. And I have to look at this and think, what do all the trade organizations need to come together and decide what's what you can do and what you can't do? Because as soon as somebody in another country tries to say bourbon style or anything like that, we will all flip out. I don't even want to know what kind of aneurysm Fred is going to have if that day ever comes. But that's that's exactly what would happen. We would go at bat and we would go and try to protect it. 
I have a feeling that what the Irish Whiskey Association is going to do is that this is end up going to fall back on discus and discus is going to have to figure out, by the way, anybody know that's the, the distilled spirits council of the United States. They are going to have to try to figure out what is, you know, what can be done, what, what should be done, everything like that. I understand that, you know, they say Irish style. I totally, I read Colin's Twitter and he says, listen, I didn't call it Irish whiskey. It says Irish style. Not to say that nobody owns the Irish style. You own Irish whiskey, but you don't own the Irish style of making whiskey. And I get that. But there is definitely a very thin and gray line that can be played here. And I just know that if it was, you know, if the foot was on the other shoe over here, man alive, this would, this would be a different conversation. And we kind of look at it and think, oh, the IWA is being a bully. They're picking on the little guy because they're creating this little label. But I still kind of agree that there should be something that is, you know, maybe they say on there instead of Irish style, they say uh, not an Irish whiskey. You know, like you'd said, put the put the sticker on there. I still feel that it would be in a a better situation if they just kind of said, you know what, let's go ahead. We'll take the fumble on this one. Let's move forward. We won't say Irish style. Granted, for Kings County, they're getting a lot of press out of it. So any press is good press when you're when you're seeing these things happen. But I have a feeling that this is gonna bubble up to the bubble up to discus and they're gonna have to sit there and make people fall in line. Issue's not confusion as to source. I mean that that cannot be the issue. The issue is going to be can you even use the word and yeah. just just like we all flipped out before we'd flip out again if if uh it was the other way sorry blake go no no that that's kind of what i was gonna follow up with but like you know bourbon i think it's a little bit different because it is a um you, you know we all know bourbon can be made wherever in the united states so we're not saying it's the american style of whiskey so i think that's a little bit of a different caveat of the fact that we're having a nationality tied to how the dis distillation method is done. So that's where, you know, I get it from a legal perspective where we're kind of comparing bourbon to Irish whiskey, but from Kings County perspective, they said, Hey, we're doing it in the, you know, Irish method of distilling. I just don't have a problem with that. And I think, you know, if we, if, if, somebody in ireland said we're we're distilling american whiskey style you know it'd just be from grain so maybe it's just we're talking about the trademarks and everything else are not as tight as we would for american whiskey as we are for irish irish whiskey but I, I don't know i mean i i think it just opens up a pandora's box if we're starting to go after that as opposed to what goes on everywhere else but I'll throw one at you. Let's make this even more difficult. What if somebody in a Georgia distillery said, we made a Kentucky style bourbon? Would people go up in arms because it says it right there on the label? Yes, they would. <laughs> okay. All right. See, like this world. is like, I, I feel that you can, you can it, take this. Okay, in a lot. Those, okay slippery slope. We can, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. You want to try to sell Kentucky bourbon. You can't get Kentucky bourbon. We'll call it Kentucky style. I mean, I've started a distiller in Florida where we make Kentucky style bourbon, but if, <laughs> yeah, like, oh no, yeah, we ship in our limestone water from Kentucky. It's a Kentucky style bourbon. I, that's, that's, that's a, a very good example of kind of how this would work, but there's no trademark on Kentucky style bourbon. I mean, as far as I know, you know, Brian backed me up here, but yeah, that's where I feel Man, like until the KDA it, has something like, to say about it. <laughs> the, the trade groups almost have to come together to have like, a joint definition, but we realistically, we know that's not going to happen. So if for better or worse, we took up 15, 20 minutes talking about it. And I hope everybody else goes and buys a bottle of Kings County Irish whiskey because yes. it's fantastic. So, <laughs> yep. And not to ruin the surprise, Blake, but our next barrel pick is a steel box style barrel pick.
So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, way to ruin the, uh, you know, I was building up. I was going to hit that in the show credits, but. Uh... <laughs> yeah. But before we move on, I think it was funny. Even I believe it was yesterday or maybe this morning it was on the, actually it was yesterday on the TTB. There was a Minnick family scotch label that was mm. approved. It was like a 21 year old and it says the Minnick family on it. And now Fred's up in arms. And I said, well, what if they just called it Minnick style? Would that be okay? So, <laughs> ah, all right. I think this is a, this is a fun. Ethan Turk just called me Kenny's new title is Mr. Slippery Slope. And all I'm doing <laughs> is playing devil's advocate here, just trying to figure out how, how deep can we go. But it'll be interesting to kind of see where this ends up and, and how it bubbles up a little bit. I do feel that there is going to be a larger trade organization that will probably have to get involved only because of it, how intertwined this can probably usually get. So the last topic that we're going to talk about tonight is, well, it's stickers. We've been talking about this for a while, and they're going less than subtle. So we know that Four Roses implemented a no-sticker policy. Ryan was very vocal and very passionate about it, saying that they're kind of killing one of the cool things that made bourbon and this hobby kind of fun. But others are letting it slide. A lot of distilleries are letting it slide. There's really nobody that's enforcing a no-sticker ban other than really Four Roses. However, there's some things that we see, and I think one of the one that kind of showed up recently was this uh, new Riff Van Winkle, and it was a basic, blatant copy of an old Rip Van Winkle label, but on a new Riff bottle. And we've seen that. We've seen other types of uh, things on different stickers that, in my opinion, you have copyright problems and you are using different kinds of products you're using labels you're using proper nouns i don't know whatever you want to call it these are trademarked items and they are being put on your bottles so the question is is a can a just i mean at, we, we know this part that a distillery has, after they release it they kind of wash their hands clean they can't do anything of it but do we feel that it's going a little too far that distilleries should probably start paying a little bit more attention and start cracking the whip just a little harder well i mean yeah yes in some cases you know there is parity law so you do have that to protect you however however when you're dealing with a brand right like sazerac that very much protects their interests they probably want to step too far wouldn't surprise me if their head counselor reached out with a cease and desist after the fact too late nothing's done all the bottles are sold out right but they'll probably never do a sticker like that again but i think when people do do stickers right there's nothing law wrong with using parody law. I think there is something wrong with trying to mimic another brand in the same industry, especially one with deep pockets um, that can go after you. And, and rightfully so, they probably should. I think there's, there's at least personally, in my opinion, there's having fun and then there's just trying to really poke the bear a little bit too much. And I think that's where this particular pick went. That being said, you know, do I enjoy all the stickers out there? No. Are, are they fun sometimes? Yeah. And do I enjoy creating them myself? Sure do. Um, I don't think that's going to stop anything, but I think people should be a little more cognizant of what they're creating and the brand that they're focusing on. Well, I, I mean, I don't want to just like, uh, I echo whatever Jordan just said, but, 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 you know, it, it kind of is true. It's like, can people get a, overstep those boundaries of what is, you know, kind of reasonable within the sticker of uh, culture and everything else that we are? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of new riff picks became very popular because of the stickers that went on them. Also, new riff makes an incredible bourbon, and it's it's really good. So, you know, it's a, it's a catch twenty two at times. Of uh, do the stickers bring attention that may not have been there before? Yes. Can they cross the line? Yes. So, it's a hard part, and then the, the hard part is is I think. The law is very clear that no sticker should be on the bottle no matter what. But then, you know, we live in the bourbon culture world, world of uh, it's just, you know, part of it. So um, it, it is it's it's a it's a weird Kenny slippery slope of like how important <laughs> are these stickers on each bottle? So so ha has anyone heard that anything ever happened with that uh, Van fake Van Winkle label looking label? The old uh, label. What do you do? I mean, it's it, you send the cease and desist. The barrel's already gone. It's through the distributors to the retailers to the consumer. So, I'm assuming 
there, you know, your only repercussion is to not sell that group a barrel again, correct? I mean, the, the distillery might do that, but if, if you're the owner of the Van Winkle trademark that's being infringed upon for that, and I don't think that, I mean, just looking at it quickly, that's not going to be parody, um, I, I, I don't think. Um, I, in worst case scenario, they could go after the wh- whoever did that pick and trace where all those bottles went. I mean, you, you look at, the, the the worst cases in bourbon trademark history, they've gone into retail and taken the bottles off the shelf. So that conceivably could happen um, if they're if they're not not already in consumer hands. You you go and you go to the distributor and you get them. Um, if they're already in people's hands, you're right. What do you do about it? There's there's probably not going to be monetary damages. Um, so what do you do? There's, there's, it's that situation where there's nothing much to do about it, uh, except to threaten people on the front end. And then that takes the fun out of it. I know we've been talking about this and I think we've might've gone a little bit off the rails. The way that I, I kind of picture this is that I feel that distilleries should probably be focusing and paying just a little bit more attention to what's going on and embracing it. Because here's the thing is that if you embrace it and you say, that's cool guys, or gals and whomever, let's go ahead and do this dagger, but let's keep it classy. Let's keep it, you know, something that we're not going to get in trouble for. That's one thing we do at Pursuit Series when we do our single barrels is that we make sure that we don't actually use anything that's copyrighted. I mean, the one thing that comes to my mind is that we did a single barrel and we, on our show notes, our flavors, we are on our, you know, we put a show notes, we say, this is our little spin on it. And we said, here's the 23 flavors that the doctor ordered. Because we didn't want to use the word Dr. Pepper, right? We, we had to figure out a way to kind of get around that. And I feel that a lot of distilleries should probably start paying just a little bit more attention and embracing it. I think a, a, one of the, the best examples that I've seen is that if you go to Old Elk and you get a chance to tour their facility, they actually have a poster on their wall that they created of all the stickers that they've seen posted on Instagram and everything like that. Like they're embracing sticker culture. Now, I don't know if they're saying, all right, well, let's make sure that we sign a waiver and you are not infringing on this or doing that. But I feel that if the stories get ahead of it and you become part of it and not anti, then it's something that everybody can kind of work together and you can have a successful launch. You're not going to have anything that's going to be out of the bounds that people are going to look at and I wouldn't say disgust, but you're going to look at back and go, golly, like this just does not look good on the brand. But if you embrace it and it's going to propel both not only just the brand, but as well as potentially the group that creates it because you get a a certain sign off. I know, Jordan, you all had a sticker that you did with uh, another. I'm not going to say any names, but it was something that you would went back to him and you said, hey, do you approve this sticker? I'm trying to think what sticker that was. We did have one. It was with a um, we'll say it was uh Somebody that was in a Breaking Bad uniform or Breaking Bad outfit or something like that. <laughs> oh yeah, so we we did do a pick with with Barrel and that worked out really well. Um, so it was Barrel Craft Spirits. It was a spoof on Breaking Bad, Breaking Bourbon. It was just you know Joe and and this yellow suit, um, which was great. And everyone had a fun time with it. And we all got a laugh, and it's hanging up in his office right now. Um, but I will say, you know, th- people sometimes do go too far. So we did work one time with the retailer who wanted to do a joined, uh, no one on this show who wanted to join barrel pick. And they asked if they could do the sticker. We trust them. We said yes. And they did blatant copyright infringement. And we had that brand instantly reach out and ask for that sticker to be removed. Don't blame them one bit. And that was our lesson learned that we never cease control to um, not own the sticker and not own damage control around that. So I think that's a good lesson people should learn too. If you're going to put your name on something, make sure you have ownership and, and careful who you source out your stickers too. Um, but yeah, there you know brands do pay attention to this stuff. It's not like we're in this niche little whiskey world, right? If you go after a major brand, they're going to find out. Um, so do it smart, like Kenny said. Um, have fun with it. It can be a parody, that's fine. But if you're blatantly going to rip off um, logos or anything else, yeah, don't be surprised. And if a brand reaches out, um, things can go pretty bad pretty quick. So just be smart and have fun. And that's the most important thing. For sure. Well, that was a pretty good little take on all things stickers. I think we had some good law talk tonight. We always love having our our good resident Esquire here to be able to. Yes, yes. 
Very good, sir. Very Thank good. You, sir. Thank you, sir. <laughs> if you could but just no, run this... for like judgeship, Brian, so we can have like a judge on the show now, that'd be great. Uh, oh, I thought yeah. you were talking about me, Kenny. Was that not me that you were talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say you're welcome. But... <laughs> uh, no, you're you're part of tech support. <laughs> but awesome, guys. This is a fantastic show. A lot of things that we kind of hit on. So let's go ahead and do a closeout. We'll go in the same order we did before. So, Brian, you're up. Yeah, great show. Appreciate the chance again, guys. Uh, Brian with Sipping Corn and find me all the socials there and bourbonjustice.com. Have a, have a great week, guys. And our globetrotter, Blake, over here. Always fun to be on. Thank you, Blake, from uh, Sealbox and Bourboner. And uh, yeah, see you again in four weeks. Cal Ripken, Cal Ripken of the uh, Roundtable. Here we go. He never misses. <laughs> And this is Jordan from Breaking Bourbon, BreakingBourbon.com. Find us on all the socials. Thanks again for another great roundtable. This has always been fun. Um, and, you know, Blake, good luck at the next Walgreens you visit for the power adapter. <laughs> I, I hope he finds one and he sends a picture out and he's like, I did it, guys. I proved you all wrong. It's listening. Who knew Walgreens did not carry laptop chargers? You know? It's news to me. It's news to me. Wouldn't have been the first place I checked. I tell you that. <laughs> well, in DC, your options are limited. So <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you all for coming on again. Follow all these guys. Follow Bourbon Pursuit on all those socials as well. But with that, we're going to go ahead and sign off. Cheers, everybody. We'll see you next week.